Back on the show once again, I'm super excited about my next guest. He is a host of a podcast called Crane and Company off Daily Wire Sports. Please welcome back to the show, Jake Crane. Hey, man, excited to be back. Love what you got going. And uh, it's been a while, but uh, a lot to talk about in between. Jake, I'm ready to talk about the Super Bowl. We've got about a week away. Usually that last week before the Super Bowl, we have media days. We have Radio Row. We have all the Super Bowl activities. Super Bowl 57 in Glendale, Arizona. It's the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Both number one seeds. Jake, are you surprised that this is the Super Bowl matchup we got? Yeah, you know, especially with Patrick's injury, I, I thought the Bengals were going to win that game, and they almost did. Uh, you know, shocked, no, surprised a little bit, because typically you don't see number one seeds make it all the way together. I mean, when you look at the NCAA basketball tournaments the same way. I know there's a couple more games than what you get in the NFL playoffs, and there's really no buys. Uh, but when you look at, at the, both of these teams, I do think the Eagles are the more complete team. But anytime you have a witch like Patrick Mahomes uh, and Travis Kelsey and the chemistry that they have with some of the ancillary pieces and auxiliary pieces they have on the outside, uh, I'm, I'm not shocked by any of it. All right, Jake. So – the matchup, the Eagles are favored by one and a half. Regardless of who wins, whoever wins this Super Bowl will have two Super Bowls in the last six years. The Eagles won it back in yeah. 2018. What's impressive, if, it, if the Eagles win it, Jake, that's another Super Bowl win with a different head coach and a different quarterback. And if the Chiefs win, well, then they're just starting to build the dynasty and you, we could call them the team of the 2020s. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you, both of these organizations uh, have done a great job of staying relevant. Now they've done it in different ways. You mentioned that the Eagles have had two different head coaches, two different quarterbacks, really two different systems and two different identities. I mean, when you look at this Eagles team compared to the one that won the Super Bowl with Nick Foles at quarterback when he took over for Carson Wentz, and then the Chiefs have done it with stability, right, and continuity. It's been Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy and Travis Kelsey. Some other pieces have shifted, but Chris Jones, they have the same core and the same identity. I mean, you look at what the what the Chiefs have done. I mean, winning the division every year that Patrick Mahomes has been there, and I don't see him slowing down. You would think they would have kind of regressed from an explosive play standpoint when Tyreek Hill went to the Dolphins, but in fact, the opposite happened. They had more explosive plays. So I think that speaks – you know, both of these teams having a chance to, to win multiple Super Bowls to the method, to the madness that the owner has. And, and throughout change, the Eagles have been able to have success. And throughout stability and continuity, the Chiefs have been able to have success. You mentioned Chris Jones. I think that Chris Jones, as a defensive end, he made a tremendous play in the Super Bowl against the 49ers. A huge yeah. tip that got the 49ers off the field and Kansas City went back and they won the game 31 to 20. And in the AFC Championship against Cincinnati, when it was tied at 20-20, Joe Burrow was driving down the field. All the Bengals had to do was drive the length of the field, kick a game-winning field goal with no time left. That was the yeah. game plan for the Bengals. And Chris Jones with a huge sack on Joe Burrow. Yeah. I think that Chris Jones is a very underrated defensive player for the Chiefs. Yeah, and you know the thing that makes him so dangerous is his versatility. I mean, you can play him inside and you can play him outside. So that means you can build pieces around him and they don't have to be the same type player. You don't have to worry about, all right, well, we got to make sure we go get interior D linemen because we don't have any left. Well, if we have a, a surplus of defensive ends, 
you can kick Chris Jones inside and be even better. And vice versa works as well. You need help on the exterior. If you're loaded with interior D linemen, well, Chris Jones can play defensive end as well. So what was crazy is he didn't have a sack in the postseason until the, the game against the Bengals where he just went nuts. But you talk about the big plays and the way he affects the game in the run game as well. Chris Jones is an elite special player and I think as Aaron Donald's career kind of comes is winding down I don't think he's going to be playing a lot longer Chris Jones may be one of the most superior if not the best defensive lineman in the NFL one of the matchups I want to see during this Super Bowl is the wide receiver play for the Eagles Devonta Smith and A.J. Brown going up against that Chiefs defense but then the Chiefs wide receivers are a little banged up. I mean, we're not sure about the status of Juju Smith-Schuster. They lost Nico Harmon in the AFC Championship. I mean, really, it's Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Travis Kelsey. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is is losing the weapons, but the Eagles, you talk about their defense, very complete defense. Hassan Reddick just wreaking havoc in the backfield against the 49ers. And then you can't forget about the veteran Fletcher Cox. I mean, I only had seven sacks in the regular season, but you know he's going to step up in the Super Bowl. And then Brandon Graham. Remember, he had a yeah. big sack on <laughs> Tom Brady for the Eagles to win their Super Bowl. Yep. Now, look, if you're the Chiefs, you got good news and bad news. The bad news is your wide receiver core is decimated. But the great news is you have Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid. Those guys are going to get all the juice out of the squeeze when it comes to personnel. They're going to find ways to put guys in advantageous situations. And you mix their, mix their schematical mind with Patrick Mahomes' ability, not only to run the play that's called, but to improvise, whether that's inside the pocket or outside of the pocket, even on a bum ankle. And you can find a way to manufacture points against typical defenses. The problem is the Eagles are not a typical defense. Getting Chauncey Gardner-Johnson from the Saints – turn this defense into a complete defense. They added in Dominican Sue. And look, Fletcher Cox, he does so much more than just rush the passer. Uh, yeah, he didn't have the most sacks ever of all time in his career, but he uh, impacts the game just like Chris Jones in the run game. He blows up plays in the backfield. He causes pressure. I mean, QB pressure sometimes can be as good as a sack. So Fletcher's going to find ways. I just look, the, the game is always won and lost up front. I don't care what system you run. Triple option or air raid. If you're not good up front, it's not going to work. And I just feel like per capita that the Eagles are better up front on both sides of the ball than the Chiefs. Therefore, the Eagles have a huge advantage. And since this game isn't being played at the link or out at Arrowhead, the home field advantage thing really isn't a thing. That's why I like the Eagles. Yes, you're absolutely right, Jake. The home field advantage is not going to matter. It's all about the line of scrimmage. I think it's going to be a great Super Bowl. That is going to happen on Sunday, February the 12th in Glendale, Arizona. Uh, what do you look forward to most about all the Super Bowl activities? I know we we talk about the halftime show and the commercials, but leading up to the Super Bowl, you being a part of the media, do you ever make the trip uh, and go to Radio Row? Uh, well, we just went down to the Senior Bowl. We're actually going to live stream the Super Bowl. If you go to YouTube and type in C-R-A-I-N and company, uh, we're going to live stream it on that Monday, just like we live stream the College Football National Championship. Uh, so come hang out with us. We're going to do live betting, uh, play a little beer pong. I mean, just just have a grand old time. Um, you know, as far as, as going to the games, 
I, I would love to go to a Super Bowl. I've never been to a Super Bowl. But, man, I, I really and, – and you look at the festivities leading up to the game. I used to love the commercials, but they're all trash now. They're not funny because everybody's afraid to be funny. You can't be funny anymore. You can't be risky anymore or you're a horrible person. Uh, and also the halftime show, I mean, you know, I, Rihanna, cool. Look, very talented. I already know what it's going to look like. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not as excited about the stuff on the periphery of the Super Bowl outside of the game. It's really just more the game for me now. All right, Jake, let's switch gears and talk about the NBA because the all-star reserves were announced. And as an Atlanta Hawks fan, I'm very disappointed that Trey Young did not get selected. Are you shocked that Trey Young did not get, uh, selected as a reserve for the all-star game? Yeah, I am because I mean, look, the <laughs> They put people on the all-star team that play in like 15 games during the during the first half of the regular season. I think the way they do the all-star uh, voting and stuff in the NBA is kind of flawed. But, yeah, Trey Young is the face of the league. Not only is he a face of the league, he's the face of the team in Atlanta, okay, where the NBA is wildly popular. So, yes, it, it did surprise me. Well, I think you, you have some first-time all-stars. Lori Marketing. I mean, the Jazz – Nobody expected the Jazz to be as good as they were, especially after losing Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. I mean, that's well-deserving. I'm a big fan of Tyrese Halliburton. I think he's a great point guard for Indiana. And as a Sacramento Kings fan, Domitata Sabonis, first all-star appearance for a Kings player Mm -hmm. since Boogie Cousins. I mean, is there anybody that you feel that shouldn't have deserved to be selected on the all-star team? Well, see, that's kind of where you get caught in caught in between a rock and the hard place. Because to me, is the all-star game in the NBA truly about putting the players who have the most impact on the game uh, in the game? Or is it about getting the stars there? I actually think this is a good sign for the NBA because they're actually putting guys in there that deserve to be in there. Not just because they sell a lot of jerseys and they go by one name instead of their last name. I, I actually applaud the NBA for that. Uh, I think the Kings are a fantastic story. Who would have thought the Kings would be better than the Lakers? I can't stop laughing about it. I can't remember when the Kings were good. I, I'm, I'm 33 years old and I can't remember when the Kings are good. To be honest with you, Kansas and Duke were good in college football and the Kings are good in the NBA. I'm starting to worry either one of the two things are happening. The Comet's coming or the aliens are coming. I just hope the aliens aren't pissed when they get here. Yeah, that is very true. Uh, you know, being from California, that last time the Sacramento Kings were good. Mike Bibby, right? Mike Bibby? The Mike Bibby, Peja, Weber yeah. years, 2006. White chocolate. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, Jason Williams. Oh, the yeah. greatest show on court. Uh, I actually get this, Jake. I was living in Sacramento from 1997 to 2005. So I was actually a part of that whole Kings era with the Maloof really? brothers as the owners. And they took it to the Lakers in the 2002 Western Conference Finals. Till this day, I still feel they got uh, hosed. They oh, got absolutely. hosed by the referees. Absolutely. It was so blatantly obvious. And then you see all the stuff with Tim Donaghy and all the stuff that come, came out. They 100% got hosed by the referees. Oh, it makes me mad. If Giannis didn't play for the Bucs, they would have never let Milwaukee win a championship. I can promise you that. Yeah. Well, speaking of the Milwaukee Bucks, I think with a healthy Chris Middleton that they could beat the Boston Celtics. They should have beat the Boston Celtics last year, but Chris Middleton got hurt. Last night in the NBA, we had the Clippers and the Bucs. And I said on my show yesterday that I think if these two teams are healthy, I think they could be on a collision course to meet in the NBA Finals. Would you agree, or is that a little far-fetched? No, I I could not agree more with you. I talked about this before the season. I mean, look, Giannis is a monster, an absolute monster. Drew Holiday's a nice piece. They have some, they know who they are, right? The Bucks 100, there is no identity problem 
uh, in Milwaukee. They just had a health problem last year because Chris Middleton is so deadly in the mid-range and from three that you have to respect it. And it opens up the floor so much more for Giannis. It gives Giannis an eject button. Without Chris Middleton, look, Drew Holiday can cook. They have some guys that can get hot. But over the course of a season and in crunch time, Chris Middleton is such a threat that it takes half a man off of Giannis. And if you want to double Giannis, that's fine. He'll kick it out to Chris, who will turn it into a splash parade from outside. So he is a huge piece. He is the second most important piece on the Milwaukee Bucks. And I do want to go back to what you said about the Jazz. I got absolutely roasted last year when I said that Walker Kessler is going to be a better NBA player than Chet Holmgren because Chet can't stay healthy because his he's made of bubble gum and baby tears. He can't even make it through a couple weeks playing in the G League healthy. He's not he's gonna he's Greg Oden 2.0. He is 100 percent Greg Oden 2.0, and I'm glad to see that Walker's balling. Well, as far as the NBA, I'm really impressed with Paulo Boncaro. He's probably gonna win rookie of the year. Yeah. Benedict Matherin for Indiana. Jabari Smith. I know Jake, you're an Auburn guy. He's doing well with yep. Houston. And, of course, the Sacramento Kings with Keegan Murray. I mean, that, that's your all-rookie team right there. And Jaden Ivey for uh, Detroit. Really, five rookies. They're going to be, hands down, first-team all-rookie is those five. I think that Paolo Boncaro is probably going to win Rookie of the Year because of his uh, yeah. points per game. Yeah, look, all those guys are, are special. It was a heck of a class. Uh, that came into the league last year. You mentioned a bunch of names. There's a bunch more, too, uh, that are having success. You know, the thing I, I like about a lot of these young players is that they've been better on defense than what I thought some of it would be. You know, I knew Jabari would be fine. He cares about his defense. He's really long. Walker Kessler is a defensive guy who just happens to score points at a high rate close to the basket. Uh, Jaden Ivey's defense is a little bit better than what I thought. But I think what makes Paolo so effective is he so strong? I mean, when he takes the ball to the rack and the way the game is called in the NBA, he's just a perfect fit. He's a perfect fit. And his three-point shot has been better than what I thought it was going to be. He is a true dual-threat offensive player. He's not just a slasher. He's not just a shooter. He can put it together and have the full Waffle House menu of plays. If you want your hash browns smothered or covered or splattered or anything like that, Paolo's your guy. But, yeah, look, I remember watching Benedict Matherin at Arizona, just an absolute assassin. I was shocked that they got put out of the tournament as early as they did. I mean, it's basically a NATO meeting on the Arizona team anyway. They've got talent from all over the globe. But, yeah, it was a very special class that came into the NBA, and I'm excited to watch these guys as they continue their careers. All right, Jake, moving on to college basketball because we have probably the one of the best rivalries in all of sports, Duke and North Carolina Saturday yeah. night. but. Both teams are unranked. <laughs> this was the classic matchup in the Final Four. This was the matchup everybody wanted. Coach K is gone. John Schneider is now the head coach at Duke. Uh, North Carolina has talent with Armando Baycott, but are you shocked that these two teams are facing off each other and they are unranked? Yeah. Yes. Yes. I mean, look, at the end of the day, I mean, you look at the years that Duke, Kentucky, and North Carolina have, and it's just weird. It's just weird, but I think it speaks to – the parody of college basketball. And I use Kentucky as an example a lot in the SEC. When people decide to turn a sport into an arms race in college and it makes money and people care about it, that's the best way to increase parity. The worst thing that happened to Kentucky basketball or North Carolina basketball or Duke basketball is other schools started spending money like they do on basketball. And just naturally, with the way it works in sports, 
other teams have started to bubble up. I remember growing up being scared to death of playing Kentucky in basketball every year because you it was just going to be a beatdown. Now I really don't even worry about them. I worry more about Tennessee, and I'm starting to worry more about Alabama. So uh, it's good for the game of college basketball. It's not great for those fan bases. They're used to being, you know, like Borat said, king of the castle, king of the castle. But now they're almost the jester, and they need to figure it out because at the end of the day, those are basketball schools still. Even though I love what Mike Elko's doing at Duke, we've seen what Matt Brown's doing at North Carolina with Drake May and, and that group. But, yeah, those are basketball blue buds, and they've kind of fallen down in the middle of the pack in the past two years, even though – Duke and North Carolina did make the Final Four last year, and North Carolina lost in the national championship to Kansas. So if you keep doing that, they'll forgive you for not for having mediocre regular seasons. Jake, you're an Auburn fan. You're from Auburn. Uh, Auburn, they've always had success in basketball, going to the Final Four in 2019 with Bruce Pearl. Now we got a big matchup as they will travel to Knoxville to take on Tennessee. Tennessee yeah. right now, even though they lost to an unranked Florida team, I still think that they could be a number one seed. But do you think, with the success of Auburn, and we'll get into that massive Iron Bowl basketball edition on February the 11th, Alabama has really taken basketball seriously because they saw their arch rival Auburn yep. make it to the Final Four in 2019. I think that Alabama could be a number one seed, even though they lost to an unranked Oklahoma, still undefeated in the SEC. But yep. do you think that Alabama and Auburn are on a collision course to meet in the conference tournament and, and possibly make a deep run in the NCAA tournament? Yeah, well, Alabama, for sure, with the roster they have and and Brandon Miller, I mean, who's probably the best scorer in college basketball when, when he's cooking. I mean, the guy's unstoppable. He's basically Paul George. Uh, but, you know, it's funny. Uh, when I was a kid, Auburn was ranked number one in the country with Chris Porter and them in like 1999 and 2000. Then we were just terrible for such a long time until Bruce Pearl – came to Auburn. Bruce Pearl not only helped Auburn basketball become relevant and dominant, he made Alabama, like you said, take college basketball seriously. And if you look at the state of Alabama right now, between Auburn, Alabama, and UAB, there's some pretty daggum good basketball in a football state. So, yeah, could they meet in the conference tournament? Yes, Alabama most likely is going to be a number one seed. But look, here's college basketball. You better be playing good when it matters the most. That's what it comes down to. Who's playing hot toward the back end of the year? Who's making shots? Who's playing good on defense? It's typically old guards that help you advance in the NCAA tournament. So, look, the sky's the limit for Alabama. I think the Sovereign team does have a ceiling. They have to shoot really, really well, and they're not a team of great shooters. But if you get hot at the right time, you never know in that sport. All right, Jake. You know we're in the month of February, which means pitchers and catchers report to spring training in a couple of weeks. You're a Braves fan. I know they lost yeah. Dansby Swanson a free agency, but they're going to have a pitching rotation with Mike Soroka. He's going to eventually come back. Max Freed, Spencer Strider. I know that the Phillies and the Mets, they spent a lot of money, and I know a lot of baseball writers are going to pick either the Phillies or the Mets to win the NL East. But, you know, being from Georgia and you're a Braves fan, you know, we're hoping <laughs> – that the Braves can just pull it off and make a deep run like they did. But uh, uh, how, are, how excited are you? I know you're excited uh, about uh, the Braves in spring training, uh, but do you ever make that trip down to spring training? Man, you know, I went when I was when I was younger. I haven't been since. I love it when catchers and pitchers report. You get the most access. You can really kind of see how the sausage is getting made a little bit. When you talk about the NL East, the Phillies and the Braves and the Mets all have a ton of talent. 
but the Braves have the most young talent. That's why I'm excited because I think Anthopolis did an unbelievable job of locking. Look, Dansby Swanson leaving. I'm not going to cry about it. It's a great part. Thanks for the memories. You know, we'll shake hands. Somebody, the Cubs, y'all, y'all can go overpay for him. That's fine. Y'all enjoy that. What the young talent that the Braves have, you know, with Acuna, with Ozzy Albies, with Harris, with Austin Riley, and that's not even mentioning the pitching staff. The thing the Braves have to do is just stay healthy. Not having Mike Soroka for the past two seasons was devastating as good as he was pitching. Uh, if the Braves can stay healthy, they've got the best young core, I think, in Major League Baseball. Jake, I really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you for just taking the time out of your busy schedule and uh, talking sports with me. Uh, It's always great just having you on the show because you really are passionate about sports, and I am a huge fan of Crane & Company. I think that, you know, it is – we're we're actually recording this show on Friday, and I I love when you do a Flame & Dragon Fridays because your your brother, Blaine Crane, and – oh, man, uh, just tell us a little bit. Before we close, just tell us how fun it is just to be in that studio – with David Cohn, the the Michigan yeah. quarterback, and your brother Blaine. I mean, you guys have yeah. so much chemistry. Yeah, look, it's I, I still think I'm in a coma. Like I'm just waiting to wake up in like a hospital and then be like, oh hey, it was all a dream. I mean, I, I'm very fortunate. Uh, it's it's because of the audience out there that that's the only reason that that we're able to do this, and we're unbelievably grateful. I mean, getting up, being able to talk about sports, uh, even if it is super duper early in the morning, it uh, I love it. Uh, I'm obviously very passionate about it. Uh, that's that's what we did growing up with sports. But yeah, if uh, you want to check us out, we we cover every sport. We talk betting and all type of stuff and have a good time. Uh, you mentioned Flame and Dragon Friday. Uh, I I called I called him by his name too many times today. I, I overhit. I'm just embarrassed for myself. But yeah, you can find us. Just go to YouTube or the Daily Wire. It's Crane and Company. C R A I N. And no, I love coming on, my friend. And uh, anytime you need me, uh, I'm always down. It's a great time. Absolutely. That was. Jake Crane from a podcast called Crane and Company. You could catch him on YouTube Mondays through Fridays at 8.15 in the morning, and you could download his podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Our Heart Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts. You have a great show. Just keep up the good work, and uh, definitely would love to hear from you soon. Hey, you too, brother. Appreciate it, and have a great weekend. All right, same to you. All right, that's it. That's the show. Hope everybody has a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you later. Bye. You are listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge, broadcasted on WQEE 99.1 FM The Key from 2 to 3 p.m. Monday through Friday. This is a local podcast that covers Columbus sports and beyond. If you would like to hear more of this podcast, you can download us on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And I hope you have a great rest of your day.